Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting and I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. So use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend. Another quick show today. Just going to hit on the two games from last night. The Celtics losing at home to the New York Knicks as they extend their streak. And then the Los Angeles Clippers getting a much-needed come-from-behind win against the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. And then I have a couple of follow-up thoughts 
on that Suns-Mavericks game from yesterday. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys missed one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So I say again, if you were waiting for the New York Knicks and Julius Randle to cool off, last night once again was not that night as the Knicks notch a signature win in Boston on the strength of 31-9 and from Julius Randle and 38 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists from Emmanuel Quickly. Filling in for Jalen Brunson, who was out. Another massively impressive part of this win was Jalen Brunson uh, missing for the Knicks. And, and specifically with how heavily he is involved with their crunch time offense. We did this whole breakdown possession by possession after that Miami Heat game. Talking about that surgical approach that Jalen Brunson had to Eric Spolster and all of his defensive coverages. Removing him from the equation and getting a win in spite of that was super impressive. It did get a little stilted from time to time. It wasn't always pretty, especially there at the end of the fourth quarter and in the first overtime period. But there was one specific stretch there where Emmanuel quickly got hot in double OT and it was enough uh, for them to win this game, but down down the stretch in, in, in regulation, the Celtics were doing a really nice job of swarming Julius Randle. They were doing they were doubling with Jalen Brown every time he'd turn his back, and they were getting some steals out of that. And they weren't getting great shots, but they did lock in on the defensive end, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I want to talk about that double OT scoring run from Emmanuel quickly because it was all textbook high pick and roll scoring. So he had uh, Marcus Smart on him to start the overtime period. And he had Josh Hart come and set a ball screen. And the Boston Celtics had been switching that specific type of screen throughout most of the game. But on this particular play, Jason Tatum was really slow on his switch. So as Emmanuel quickly came off the screen, he had space and he just rose up and knocked down the three. And then on the very next possession, he had Grant Williams on him. I believe it was on a transition cross match just running up the floor. But they came and set another ball screen with Mitchell Robinson. Tatum's on Mitchell Robinson this time. But Tatum doesn't want to get beat by that same pull-up jump shot. So he's hugging up on Mitchell Robinson and getting ready with his left hand to show out on that screen or to even switch if the ball screen comes. And Emmanuel quickly just rejected the screen and went to the left and just dusted Grant Williams all the way to the rim for a dunk. That specific matchup, Emmanuel Quickly's quickness versus Grant Williams, who, again, it, it, Grant Williams is a good wing defender, but like we don't talk enough about defensive versatility and how that can specifically become a problem. You know, like Grant Williams is one of the few guys in the league that can credibly guard Giannis, but he can struggle a little bit with quickness. On the perimeter. That's why when you find like specific types of defenders that can do both, it can sometimes be even more valuable, right? You know, like a guy, I'll give you an example, like a guy like Josh Hart, who can credibly guard the big strong forwards in the league, but can also contain quick ball handlers on the perimeter. That it's it's interesting because it's all matchup based. Like if I'm playing Milwaukee, I want Grant Williams, right? But if in on a on a specific night to night type of basis, a guy who's a little bit more versatile with that. Um, ability to guard multiple positions can be a little bit more valuable. And that specific matchup killed them because later on uh, in the overtime period, same type of deal, 
came and set another ball screen with Mitchell Robinson. This time Al Horford was in the play, and Al Horford, uh, th- there wasn't really much of a screen, so Al Horford stayed with Mitchell Robinson and was drop, uh, dropping back, and he didn't do a very good job in his drop. He should have helped at the rim, but once again, Emmanuel quickly just dusted Grant Williams to the right this time and got all the way to the rim for a scooping layup, and so those three baskets... You know, capitalizing on that specific mismatch and that one play where Jason Tatum didn't get out quickly enough on that switch ended up being enough of an offensive burst for them to win. But like I said, they struggled in overtime and in down the stretch in regulation. And you're on the road against Boston, who's arguably the best team in the league. How do you win that game with ridiculous defense that bought them? the margin for error to have some struggles in the clutch until Emmanuel quickly was able to close the deal. And this is where I wanted to talk a little bit about that combination of perimeter defense with rim protection. Cause I remember when the Knicks made the Josh Hart trade, I, I was a little confused um, because at that time, like the Knicks were good, but you know, they had the same issues they had had throughout the season. They'd struggled to beat good teams. You know, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson had struggled a little bit with offensive creation and slow down half court environments. Right. And it was kind of one of those things where you're like, Oh, you're giving up a first round pick for Josh Hart. Like that's interesting. You're uh, that's kind of like an all in trade. Like that's the kind of thing that you'd see a team that felt like they could win the title would do. Right. And I mean, obviously, I'm sure competitively within the Knicks locker room, those guys think they can win, right? But from the front office perspective, it seemed like a very aggressive move, and I didn't really understand it. But the thing is, is Josh Hart is a really good role player. We talked a little bit about his his defensive uh, versatility earlier, but he's also one of the best rebounding guards in the league. He had a contested rebound at the stre- down the stretch of this game, surrounded by trees, underneath the basket when uh, Boston botched a fast break and somehow Josh Hart got back and secured the defensive rebound. It was a huge, momentous play down the stretch of this game. He just does all these little things extremely well. And when you bring him into the equation, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at, especially with Jalen Brunson out, when you bring in Emmanuel quickly, between Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett and uh, Josh Hart, that's three really good perimeter defensive players that can contain ball handlers really well. And then Mitchell Robinson, again, he's not Anthony Davis or anything, but he can do a pretty good job back there and has been doing a pretty good job this season protecting the rim. And so that combination of like containing the ball, especially against a drive and kick team like Boston, it really stagnated them offensively. And down the fourth quarter, down the stretch of the fourth quarter and in both overtime periods, the Knicks only allowed a total in what's that, 22 minutes of game clock, they allowed just 42 points, which was extremely impressive. Again, that's how you win despite stilted crunch time play. That's how you win despite being down your best crunch time player. Just lock in and get a ton of stops, and you needed one guy to make some plays, and Emmanuel quickly got hot, and it was enough. And again, that's the Celtics are number three in offensive rating this year. Like that's not easy. That's not an easy team to slow down. And yes, I know Robert Williams missed this game, but when Robert Williams is out, they typically go smaller. They usually play Derek White, and they usually play uh, Al Horford at the center. Everybody can shoot. It's more five out. I actually think they're harder to guard. Obviously, defensively, they're better with Robert Williams, but I actually think they're harder to guard when they're in that type of configuration. So it's just it was just an incredibly impressive win for the Knicks, and I'm really excited to see where this streak ends up because. The Knicks being great is great for the game of basketball. 
Um, I wanted to talk really quickly on Jason Tatum. He, he, he was awesome last night. He had 40 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. So I don't want this to come off as like criticism. It's just a trend that is kind of a little disturbing to me this year. We've talked to a, a little bit about how Tatum is taking fewer mid-range jump shots and he's taking more threes and shots at the rim. Well, last night was like kind of the full, uh, the fully realized version of that transition. Every single shot Jason Tatum took in this game was a three at the top of the key or a shot at the rim. There was not a single other type of shot taken in this entire game from Jason Tatum. And that always concerns me because that lack of variety, I think, can really come back to bite you in a playoff series where you're going up against the same defensive unit every other night for two weeks and they, be, they grow accustomed to your moves and, and, they, and they get to uh, like have a natural feel and an instinct for what you're about to do. And when you don't have as much variety in, your, variety in your game, that process can happen quicker. There's two different types of offensive players in this league. There are offensive players that start to solve defenses as series progress. And then there's offensive players that the defenses, that the defenses solve as the series progresses. And I, I don't want that to become an issue with Jason Tatum as he becomes hyper-focused on the analytics side of offensive approach. Um, Mikhail Bridges in particular was questioned about this specific topic after his game yesterday where they based, uh, whoever the reporter was, I can't remember his name again. I got to do a better job of, of uh, shouting these people out. But he asked like, hey, like what's it, you know, uh, how do you reconcile your confidence in your mid-range shot with shot value and taking the right shots on the court? And Mikhail Bridges was like, we're basketball players, man. And like, yeah, we want to get to the rim and we want to take threes, but we can't always get to the rim. Sometimes that's not an option. And, and this is where I wanted to take an, uh, an opportunity to kind of explain my ideology as it comes to shot selection on different spots on the floor. Because, you know, I think like, I think that players should hunt quality threes. And I think players should hunt rim attempts while they're there. Like, for instance, if I'm, you know, having a guy spot up, I'd rather have him spot up from the three-point line than from 20 feet. Like, that's foolish, right? Or, like, if you're a guard who likes to take transition pull-up jump shots, I'd rather have you take a pull-up three that's uncontested in transition than a pull-up two that's uncontested in transition. Like, there's basic little mathematical things there that you can take advantage of. But the reality is, is I want guys to play basketball and seek out shots that they are comfortable taking confident they can make and that feel natural in the flow of the game. And that's not always a rim attempt or a three-point shot, especially when most NBA defenses are geared towards taking away a three-point shot and taking away the rim while leaving areas in the middle of the floor open. I'll give you an example because, you know, yes, if I took a hundred threes by a points per possession basis, they're going to probably amount to more points than if I took a hundred free throws. But no two possessions are alike. Some of those threes are high quality threes. Some of those threes are low quality threes. Some of those twos are high quality twos. And some of those twos are low quality twos. And on a singular possession, as a basketball player, you have to make that decision based on that possession and what is the better shot. Because a high quality two is better than a low quality three. And so the analytic side of things, the the, the people who see things from that perspective would be like, hey, if you're going to take an off-the-dribble shot, might as well take an off-the-dribble three. Okay, but what if I'm trying to mix up with my dribble from the perimeter and the defender is pressing into me? That's not a high-quality shot. But what if I can back him down 
and I can shoot an easy short jumper over the top. That's actually a higher percentage shot because I'm protecting the basketball with my back and I'm able to generate separation by initiating contact and fading. Like think of that specific situation. Okay. Paint is packed. I'm Julius Randle. I'm going against the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler's guarding me. He's up in my shooting pocket. He's pressuring the ball. The rim is completely congested. There's nothing there. Maybe the spot-up shooting opportunities aren't there because they're in a position where they can rotate back, and maybe that specific shooter is not great, okay? So I could try to mix up Jimmy Butler, but he's pressing me on my handle. And he's getting up into my business. So like that pull-up three is going to be an extremely difficult shot. And Jimmy's probably going to tip it on the way up. I'm not going to get to my pocket normally. And it's probably going to be a shot that I miss. But if I back Jimmy Butler down because I'm a bigger, stronger Julius Randle. And I work to that foul line. Now I bump him. And I've created separation. And now I go up into that left shoulder fade with a good comfortable shooting pocket from a shorter distance in a singular possession at the end of a close game in Miami, and he makes that shot. That specific shot is a higher percentage shot than him trying to take a tough, tough pull-up three over Jimmy Butler, even though statistically it's worth one and a half times what that pull-up two is worth. That's why I've always been a big believer in shot variety and targeting the best available shot on any given possession, not necessarily the shot that's going to be worth more points than some large 100-possession sample size. So from Tatum's perspective, I just hope he brings that requisite variety to the postseason so that he doesn't go down that dark path of having some sort of like you know predictability issues when he gets into a playoff series. All right, let's talk about the Grizzlies-Clippers game for a little bit. So uh, really quickly, on the John Morant thing, because I haven't addressed that uh, yet, um, this is a basketball show, not a like, – like I, I'm not going to pontificate about John Morant's family or his inner circle. That's uh, – first of all, I don't know anything about them. It's not my place to speak on it, and that's not why you guys click on these videos. You don't click on these videos to hear me talk about – John Morant's family. That, that, that's that's not what you guys come here for. All I'll say about it is I hope that this is the last we hear of this specific issue from Ja, and I hope he makes the necessary changes, and I hope we can get back to just enjoying him on the basketball court, uh, hopefully sooner than later. So that's all I'm going to say on the John Morant thing. Um, but the Grizzlies really surged uh, in the second half of this game and actually took a big lead. They were up 121-107 at one point in the fourth quarter. Again, the Grizzlies are a super physically imposing team with or without Jaw. And without Jaw, they actually go up a level defensively just because of the weakness that Jaw Morant presents uh, to their defense as an entry point um, as teams try to get them into rotation. So they're a dangerous team to deal with, albeit giving up that many points. Like the, the Clippers have some defensive issues they got to work out, but they did lock in in that fourth quarter run. Uh, Paul George took over from that point from 121, 107. He really started the comeback by just being viciously aggressive, attacking the rim. He just first possession, just drove in and drew a foul. Second possession, he's posting up Conchar and just bully balls him to the rim and it gets a layup. Next possession, just hard drive and pick and roll. Draws help. Pops to Kawhi. Pops to Eric Gordon on the wing. In that defensive rotation, Paul George gets left wide open under the basket. Gets the ball back for a dunk. Then he took a pull-up 20-footer in transition over Xavier Tillman and knocked it down. Again, like I talk about that a lot with Paul George here in recent weeks. Like Build your rhythm by attacking the paint 
and then use your pull-up jump shot as a counter to that. When he plays that way, he's like a bona fide two-way superstar, which is exactly why he like put up 40-something last night and played incredible defense down the stretch of that game. That's the Paul George that I find so tantalizing as a basketball player and the guy that can carry a team to within two wins of the NBA Finals as the solo star when Kawhi Leonard goes down. That's the kind of Paul George that we're looking for, and that's why you know it can be so frustrating for Clippers fans or why I get so annoyed when I'm watching him sometimes because I'm like, dude, you're leaving stuff on the table by trying to prove to us how skilled you are when really one of your best attributes is you're 6'8", a freak athlete, and you can dribble the hell out of the basketball, and you shoot so well that guys press up on you so you can get to the rim. And he really triggered that comeback. Then Kawhi got involved. He hit down a pull-up jumper and pick and roll. He had a step-back three on Xavier Tillman. He had a driving transition dunk. He drew a foul and an iso. And that and through this entire thing, the Clippers were getting stops. And so that 17-0 run pretty quickly got the uh, Clippers. I think they were up 124 to 121 at that point. And then they closed the deal. Russ had a big and one in a post-up of Luke Kennard. Uh, Kawhi hit a tough pull-up jumper. PG, once again, just bullied his way to the rim on an offensive rebound put back at the end of the game. That was a huge play. I was just super impressed in general with the Clippers fight because they needed to show fight to dig out of this particular hold. Um, we talked about this last time we talked about the Clippers, but they're, they're way too reliant on jump shooting. They're 29th in points in the paint. I thought last night was a good indicator of them kind of addressing that specific issue. The Grizzlies are the fourth best paint defense in the league, and the Clippers hung 50 paint points on them, which is really impressive, especially with the way that they like to guard. Um, And that's a much better balance to what they bring as a jump shooting skill team. I am so concerned about their defense. Their last 15 games, they're 23rd in defensive rating. They gave up 129 to the Grizzlies without jaw, which should never happen. But they did defend an extremely high level in that fourth quarter that's an encouraging sign. They defended really well to, to start the season, so I still think that's there. They just need to lock back in. Um, all right, before we get out of here, really quickly, a couple of quick follow-ups on the uh, Suns-Mavs game from yesterday. So first of all, I uh, um, I, I did some follow-up on the Devin Booker thing, and it appears that Luka might have started that whole altercation. So <laughs> I, I jumped the gun on uh, uh, Devin Booker's trash-talking. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that, um, and just admit that I was wrong there. Um, if Devin Booker was just pointing out to the ref that he thought it was an offensive foul and then Luca came over and talked shit, then that's not on Devin. That's on Luca, which again, even with, from Luca's perspective is just, he, he was angry that he lost, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to share some data from that matchup. Uh, I talked a lot about how Luca and Kyrie really went blow for blow with the Suns but that they lost in the physicality areas of the game. I pointed to those two possessions at the end where they got the stop on Chris Paul at the foul line, but DeAndre Ayton drew the offensive rebound foul. Or Devin Booker missed that driving bank shot, but DeAndre Ayton got the putback. Like, it just, no matter how good they were, the Suns just got more cracks at it, and that was the difference in the game. So I wanted to show you guys some data to demonstrate that. So the Mavs actually scored 1.23 points per possession against Phoenix, which is incredible. And the Suns only scored 1.18 points per possession. But because they were so badly out-rebounded, and the Mavs, I think, had one additional turnover than the Suns did, the Suns registered 109 possessions compared to 102 for Dallas. And that seven-possession gap was more than enough to make up for that five points per possession gap 
in Dallas's efficiency. So even though Dallas executed better, they couldn't finish possessions and that ended up costing them the game. I just wanted to kind of point out some data that would demonstrate that specific concept. Um, and again, when we get to the postseason, those physical advantages, I think, are only going to get exacerbated and become more of a factor. Uh, even with Phoenix, who's a little bit thin and struggled defensively last night. Like I'm, I'm interested to see, I think next week on, I think a week from tomorrow, they play the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I'm curious to see how they hold up under a team that has significant physical advantages over them because you'll see the same type of deal. It doesn't matter if the Suns are more efficient on a per-possession basis if the Bucks just get more possessions. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch that here down the home stretch. Uh, all right, guys, that's all I have for today. I'm pretty sure we're back tomorrow. Keep an eye on my Twitter feed. I'll tweet out a, a show schedule this week. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I'll see you next time. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the natural hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com forward slash hoops to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash H-O-O-P-S. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.